This is Amateur Logic, episode 174, for October 15th, 2022. This episode of Amateur Logic is brought to you by MFJ, the world's leaders in ham radio accessories, and by ICOM. Contest season is here. Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. Hi, welcome to Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Mike. And, and I'm Emil. <laughs> <laughs> no. A little shorter. Yeah. You you sound a little different, Emil. Uh well, um, yeah, up it's it's a, an effect of COVID. It's uh it's changed my voice a little bit and I look a little bit different now. <laughs> oh wow. And I guess yeah. the dog's got your hat so you're not wearing one tonight. Yeah, the dog's out chasing alligators, so uh, <laughs> no. anyway, I'll switch back to Australian mode. Hi, everybody. I'm Peter. I was going to suggest that maybe Peter's a cheap imitation of the old man, but uh, I don't know. He looks like an expensive copy of the cheap old man. Well, pretty much, yeah. It's only, it only gets pri- more pricey from when you come from a meal, it's like. Price yeah, there's up. no way there's no way to go but up when yeah. it comes to price. <laughs> yeah, price wise. Fair enough. Anyway, it's nice to uh, be invited back to uh, say hello. So, yeah. uh, hi guys, how's it all going? Yeah. So, email's not with us tonight. He had some other obligations, so he he won't be on the show this evening. Now we'll miss him, of course. We we've, we've got uh, Peter who is going to be on this show anyway because it's a special episode tonight. It is our 17th anniversary. Wow, 17 years. That's amazing. That's incredible. And to celebrate tonight, we're going to be giving away this IC705. No, we're not. Not this one. Not yours? No, not mine. Well, I've been saying it was yours all along. They want a new one. Okay. Uh, We're going to be giving away this radio and a, a nice package, power supply and antenna from MFJ. And... We're going to have strippers. We are. It's yep. uh, well, it's a, it's an anniversary celebration. Well, we're seventeen now, so you know we're not we're not almost legal. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think back to that very first episode. I think you interviewed a, a chap called uh, Mister Burrell, I believe, and his uh, uh, was it a Wi-Fi setup out your way? Yes, and Jim. Um, he is on a boat out in the Gulf right now. Not a, on a three-hour tour by any chance. <laughs> no, it was. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I think he uh, just completed thirty hours in open seas. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's helping deliver a yacht from where did they start? Was it uh, Pensacola? It's going to Sarasota, I believe. Yeah, I think I think it's what I saw. Yeah. So he's he's been out helping do that. He's been crewing, 
And I, I think uh, he got to pilot a little bit as well. So, you know, retired life seems to be agreeing with him pretty good, Peter. Yeah, well, that, that's good. I mean, I retired for two years. I'm just back at work now doing a different job. But uh, uh, I, I find that um, unless you've really planned well for what you want to do when you retire, um, you'll get bored very quickly. So it's, it's, uh, uh, it's good to plan ahead. I've got so many chores that I haven't been able to do that I probably keep me going for at least five years. How long has it been, Peter, since since you were a regular host? A couple of years almost? Uh, it, it'd be more than two and a half. It's got to be it's three and a half, three maybe four or thereabouts. So wow. um, that's what I estimate anyway. Um, but, uh, Sounds about always, right. Yeah. Always nice to drop in, though. Yeah, it's always good to see you. So what's going on down there? Well, as I said, I've um, started a, a new job. Um, uh, I was originally uh, hired, actually, as a uh, data analyst, uh, but uh, I'm, uh, I've got offered a job just doing general administrative uh, duties. So uh, that, that's uh, in the public service. So that's uh, uh, keeping me busy for the time being. But the thing that really um, amazed me is just the way the whole work environment has changed. Uh, I work downtown now, and the uh, a lot of the coffee shops and businesses have closed. Um, and when you go into work, there's a, a fraction of the normal number of people that you would expect to see there. Um, it's uh, and so many people are working from home now. It, it's completely different work, um, landscape as far as work goes. Uh, as of next Monday, I'll be working three days a week from home, which will save me a lot of time and uh, travel cost, which is which is great. Um, so, so it's a whole new world for me, and I'm looking forward to uh, uh, seeing how it works. What hobbies have you been into lately? Uh, well, I'm still continuing with my astronomy uh, primarily. Um, the uh, uh, I've, I've sort of got, as I might have mentioned before, I've got a goal to get up to 83 comets. Uh, I've now managed to work my way up to what I think is 74. But I've got a couple of semi-major discoveries in the commentary space that um, I can't announce, unfortunately, but they're fairly unique. Um, but uh, I'm just waiting on confirmation. But confirmation takes a little bit of a time. Uh, but if and when I announce them, you'll see that they're, oh, that's that's a, a quite an unusual discovery. So, um uh, so I'm hoping at some stage in the future yep. that uh, they get confirmed and I'll be able to mention them. But, um, uh, but yeah, I really enjoy astronomy, uh, not so much from the perspective of going outside on a cold night with a telescope and looking for um, anything. I'm more the person who likes to work with data that's been collected from satellites and then to go through it and see if the, I can discover something new in that. So um, uh, eventually I hope to work my way up to become the first Australian to find a hundred comets, so I uh, uh, that that's not too far in the too di- too far in the so, distant future. So, so you said you had a goal of eighty three. That just seems like a, a kind of a random number. How, how do you come up with eighty three? The reason eighty three is that uh, there's a chap called Robert McNaught, uh, who is the number one discoverer of comets in Australia at the moment, right? Uh, and as best I know, he has 82 comments. Oh, I see the motivation. Okay. There. And so I hope to pip him in the not too distant future. Oh. As it stands, I would be, uh, 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 and there's a few confirmations, 
uh, going to take place. But as it stands, I'm, I would be easily number two. So if the ones that you've got that you can't mention, if uh, if it comes time where people start need to dig bunkers, can you give us a heads up ahead of time? Uh, well, I'll um, I'll, I'll let, they're not they're not headed for Earth. Or at least I don't <laughs> believe they are. But they are. Um, let's just say they're comets found in unusual places. Okay, uh, or uh, on um, in data where other people maybe haven't discovered them previously. I don't want to give too, too much away in case other people go and uh, try to uh, somehow pit me, if you know what I mean. Okay. But there, there are some very um, I, I have looked in a number of different places for comets and uh, had a few successes, which is great. Um, so, But as I said, just wait on the confirmations before blowing my trumpet too much uh, on that. But uh, look, um, and but, uh, if you go back um, 10 years to about 2013, and I think I did a, uh, a what was it, a segment on my very first comet discovery, um, you, know, you can actually learn about how you can actually go out and discover a comet yourself. All the um, all everything that was in that segment still applies. Uh, and um, if it's okay with you guys, uh, you know, if this discovery or discover, the three discoveries uh, are confirmed, uh, I wouldn't mind making a, a sort of follow-up segment to actually show you how I got from there to where I am at the moment, because yeah. uh, it is it it. It's uh, one of the big or key successes for me is I actually used my Python programming skills to write a program that does a lot of the analysis for me. And, uh, you know, that that came out of my study at, uh, uh, what is it, uh, the EDX program at MIT. Sorry, MIT. So um, uh, it's uh, it just shows you how you can go study and then apply something and achieve a result with it. Yeah, well, I, I man, know I'd like to see that segment myself. Yeah, anytime you've got anything you want to share with us, Peter, you you know where we are, and we'll be happy to have you come back on. People like to find out what you've been up to and how things are going down there. Um, us people included. Us people, yes. Us yeah, too. you're always asked about in the chat room. Yeah, pretty much every yeah. week. Oh really? All right. All right. Well, um, yeah. No I, pressure. Uh, <laughs> no dramas yeah well uh, i'm uh, i'm hopeful with this very latest discovery um which as i say is is unique um uh, that uh, my webmaster who i'm waiting on uh i don't want to put him under any pressure but hopefully if he comes back and confirms that in the next week or two then uh, i might be able to do something sooner rather than later which would be good have you done anything radio related so no, actually, I've, I've been quite away from radio for a while. A little, um, um, I'm, uh, I'm in a, a, pretty, you know, a little later down the track. I, I may actually uh, upgrade my radio, and um, I'm tossing up between. In, I am going to get an Icon radio, uh, but it's. I think it's the seventy three hundred is what I'm probably looking at, which yeah. is the. Um, I'm trying to think here. The it's got six meters and also HF. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, uh, and that's that's. By the way, when I buy that, that will be completely um, on my own bat, out of my own funds, and it's that's not a plug for um, I, I, Icom. 
they can take it as a plug if they want. But uh, that's uh, I, I've uh, had a good run with ICOM, and I'm happy to uh, to uh, to buy their stuff. Um, that's, a, that's a great radio. You, you won't you won't go wrong with that one for sure. It's a, it's a mm, really yeah. good one. Yeah, I haven't played with six meters. It'd be interesting to. I mean, the antennas are smaller, so uh, uh, you know you can. It's a lot easier to get materials and, uh, and have the space to to try different things. So that could be um, uh, a, a new avenue to open up and uh, to try stuff that I haven't done before. Well, they call it the magic band, and when it opens, oh yeah, it's oh, a lot yeah. of fun. You catch a band opening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just out of interest, how far can you go on six meters? Right. Uh, I've talked across Pretty the country. Yeah. yeah. Like across to Europe? Um, uh, it's not unheard of. Hmm. Um, okay. I wouldn't say that's typical, but it's not unheard of. Yeah. Well, probably that combined with, uh, let's say, WSPR or JT60, JT65, because I like the computer modes, uh, probably um, would be able to get significant distance then. So... Yeah, something for the future. Yeah, it's be fun playing with it for sure. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, um, as we mentioned earlier, it's a seventeenth anniversary show here, and we we had an invite to Jim, and he said if he was back in the harbor in time, he would join us tonight. But I haven't heard from him, so um, hopefully, the, hopefully the, that was he with the skipper in Gilligan. Uh, I think he was. So hopefully this is. This has turned out okay. If not, it may be a few years before we hear from him again. After you get to building that bamboo battery charger. Yeah. That's right. He might have been stranded on an island out in the Gulf somewhere. <laughs> 17th anniversary contest prize here that's going to be given away. And we drew a winner right before the show. And get there the it is. Golden ticket. Yep. So we'll be announcing that later on in the show tonight. Uh, Tommy, what are you going to have tonight? Well, I uh, busted out my SDR play, uh, SDR receiver, and trying out some new software on it. It's not really new. It's kind of new to me. Something I've been wanting to experiment around with and learn more about. Yeah. Mike, what are you going to have? Well, uh, actually, you can see behind me here, there's a picture of a NOAA satellite, weather satellite. And uh, I read about a um, a website that allowed you to upload an audio file and do the decoding online. So we're going to have a look at that tonight. An email I received from a viewer here. You know, we, we do get emails. And you can send us an email, uh, me at george at amateurlogic.tv or Tommy there or Mike there or email there. And, you know, we're always... Glad to hear from you, and yours might get read on the show here. Good. And the one I've got here says, uh, well, it, it's from Kevin, VE9XYZ. I like that call. Um, perhaps I'm losing it, George, but I seem to remember years ago you showed us a web-based nighttime radio site that showed us a map of all the nighttime AM stations and their uh, approximate frequency. Well, it'll be the exact frequency here. But I remember thinking how useful that would be to identify stations I'm hearing, which often go along without an ID, and that's true, you know. 
You only have to legally ID once an hour now. It used to be every 30 minutes, but uh, yeah, you might not hear an ID on a on a AM station or FM for that matter for quite a while, and you don't know exactly who you're listening to if you're listening to Skywave. Having said that, do you recall what it was? I do recall what it was because I have it bookmarked, and I go here often, and this is not just nighttime AM radio stations. It's daytime as well over in this part of the world. NF8M.com. There's a link right there on the bottom of the page. You can see in the map. So these are are nighttime patterns right here. And this is a clear channel frequency, which means there are initially there were only one or two stations on these frequencies. And it's been protected to give some really high power stations out there. And over the years, um, you know, they have shoehorned in some more. But this one has very few signals on the air at night. So if you were listening on that frequency, 1090 kilohertz, pattern that looks sort of like a figure eight, that's K-A-A-Y in Little Rock, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And we used to listen to that here at night. Uh, it had a real good signal, and you can tell, man, that thing goes on down into Central America. Uh, even crosses the border up there into Canada a little bit. But uh, it was a real strong signal here. And I think since, oh, I don't know, a few years ago, in in recent times they have changed and they're not running that much power at night. So the the patterns haven't been updated here. But there are other stations on that frequency as well. Over on the right-hand side, there's WBAL in Baltimore. There's a station down in Puerto Rico on that frequency, but one out in Washington State. That covers almost the entire province of British Columbia. Wow. Yeah. And you you notice these don't overlap. They're all directional patterns, except for the one in Puerto Rico, you know, because they're not circles. You can see the radiation's been sent out in a specific direction. That is to prevent interference with each other at night. So that they switch in these patterns at night. That's the way the signal goes. That's why they call it a clear channel. If you go to that frequency, you're probably not going to hear anything but one station. Unless it fades, you know, the band changes and you get one of the others. And Cuba, I don't know if they're on this frequency or not. You know, they uh, they do a lot of jamming and stuff. So the signal does not go quite as far as these plots are showing. These are... Theoretical skyways, 50%. They generally don't go quite as far as it shows, but they could under the right conditions. It's at nf8m.com. That's where you'll find it. And I spent a lot of time there. I'll turn on my SDR play at night and go to the AM band. And there is something on every single frequency on that. I don't know how it is down there, Peter. But uh, Oh, yeah. Uh, it's... um. Yeah, we've got a few gaps, but yeah, at night time when the uh, uh, the propagation is coming in, uh, yeah, you'll you'll easily pick up stations from all all around Australia, and that does tend to fill the band right up. 
Um, yep. Even on FM, actually, it's chockers. There's, there's just stations everywhere um, in the Melbourne and suburban district because we have a number of, uh, quite a large number of, um, what is it, uh, suburban community radio stations. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and you can even pick up some, uh, you know, regional FM stations here in Melbourne as well. So it's um, there's not a lot of bad space left. Tommy, you had a little project you worked on. Speaking of SDR plays, I think you use yours for this. Yeah, I you? did. It was uh, actually, to be honest, I was looking through my list of segment ideas and and I saw that one. And I've been meaning to do it for quite a while, so I I went and checked it out. On Amateur Logic, we've done quite a few segments on the RSP devices from SDR Play. I have the RSP2. I've had it for quite some time. I really like it. I don't use it quite as often as I used to because I've got an ICOM uh, R8600 receiver here, but I still listen to it occasionally. But there's uh, some cool functionality built into this thing with the right software. Now, the SDR Play guys have a spectrum analyzer piece of software that's available for free if you have one of their devices. The software is available for Windows only, I think. I haven't seen it for Mac or Linux or anything on there yet. But uh, let's take a look at it. Full disclaimer, I'm not a spectrum analyzer expert. Uh, I'd like to play around with it and learn, so I'm going to use this and, and do just that. So there's a lot of functionality in there that I'm not aware of or not familiar with what it does. Um, but I'll learn it, and maybe we'll do a follow-up and, and go farther with it next time. To demonstrate this, I'm going to use my ICOM ID52, and we'll look at uh, FM and D-Star on the Spectrum Analyzer just to see um, what the difference is. Now, I'm pretty close proximity here. Um, my RSP's got two SMAs and one Hi-Z uh, connection, but I'm going to hook up an attenuator to this uh, SMA just for demo purposes so I don't overload the front end of it. And I've got an SMA to B and C, and I borrowed a uh, 10dB, actually got a stack of them, but I think the 10dB is fine, uh, attenuator that I'm going to put in line with this. And then I've got a little rubber duck. Uh, I've got tons of SMA rubber ducks, but I don't have a BNC one that I could find, so I'm going to use one off my scanner, which is which is okay. I'd rather had one that was tuned for the ham band, but it's not available. Also, I'm going to move this over there as far as I can get with this long USB cable, and uh, so it's farther away from the radio. So let's go ahead and see where we can get the software. If you go to sdrplay.com, and go to software and downloads pick your OS and your device so I've got an RSP2 like I mentioned and I'm running Windows 10 on this computer so here's the spectrum analyzer software if you just download that and install it you should be good to go so I've already done that let's let's run it and to start it listening we're going to need to click start but let's take a quick look around first uh, you can have settings, load and save settings. We've got some options here. Uh, you can change some of the coloring, things like that. I've got USA spelling. Uh, if you want to do screenshots, you can change the name and the number of the screenshots. Uh, it's gains edit. Not quite sure what that does. And CSV options if you want to export your data. 
and about this is version 1.1 which is the latest one uh, from 2020 so I guess they maybe they finished development on it or, or at least it's on pause so here, this is where we'll put our frequency and I'm going to use a UHF frequency that I use here 446.3 uh, I use that occasionally, so that's what I'm going to use. This is already programmed into my radio here. Let's go ahead and click Start. And you can see it's listening. We've got several modes here, uh, several different options actually. Reference setting dB is set to minus 40, 10 dB per division. So these are this is minus 70, minus 80, minus 90. If we want finer grain to do uh, closer measurements, we can change it to 5, and you can see them change or two which is kind of busy so I'll just leave it at 10 for right now because it's a little bit cleaner uh, you can show different different traces different things so if you want this white one to be raw and you want the yellow to be the average you can have them on the screen at the same time if you can uh, stand to look at it like that personally I just prefer to have the one for right now because I'm pretty new to this uh, the sweep uh, my center frequency is 446.3. I'm on 20 kilohertz, and you can see that it's uh, 10 above and 10 below my center frequency here. If we change that, it adjusts with it. Now, one thing, the, the wider you get, the more spectrum it's got to scan, uh, the slower the scan is. So let's go to uh, 50 megahertz, and you can see, see it's pretty slow. You can go out up to 2 gigahertz actually uh, but it's going to take quite some time to run through there uh, for this I'll just probably leave it at uh, 50 kilohertz for right now uh, we can enable peaks so if we turn oh sorry we need to turn on the markers first we can enable these markers and it'll show uh, a little circle around the high points so let's turn that on and we'll enable peaks and there you can see them if we want to hold we just click that and it holds the current display we can release it if you want to do just the peaks it, it uh, only shows the peaks the highest one uh, you can average if you want which kind of calms it down a little bit but uh, I've been playing around with it on raw see here I've got my RSP2 um, I'm on antenna A if I change it to antenna B it uh, well it does the same thing right now because I'm not picking anything up. But you could actually have another antenna on there and software select which one you want. The trim and offset and so forth. Uh, it supports a tracking generator, which I do not have. But I'll go back to input because I'm going to use my RSP. Now for just for something to see, I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn on my ID52. I've already got it tuned to 446.3. Incidentally, if you want to change the frequency, you can hover the mouse over and scroll the mouse wheel, or you can type it in. Hit enter, and it'll change it. It's pretty much that easy. Back to where we were. So my my handy talkie is on, well, it's on DV right now, but I'm going to put it on FM. And let's just see what FM looks like on here. And I'm still good. And 5 zno So you can see I've got 
let's hold. We're going to hold. You can see I've got about 70, minus 70 dB right here is the measurement from that. If you have the right amount of attenuation, you can hook up a cable to your antenna on your radio and run it right into your RSP. You can do semi-accurate measurements by hooking it up like that but they're probably not going to be as accurate as a real spectrum analyzer, but it might be close enough for you. I guess you'd be the one to decide for that. For me, it probably would because I don't really know what I'm doing with it too much yet. I know it's pretty cool. I'm going to use it and learn some more about it, and uh, I'll do a follow-up again later about it, but it's free. It's pretty cool, so it is com compliant, cheap old man compliant. There you go, Emil. So I'll go ahead and release that and we'll start it scanning again. Let's, uh, you can see when there's no modulation, we've got a pretty, pretty clean spike right there on the center frequency. Right there. And you can do measurements on it. So let's release. N5ZNO, N5ZNO, N5ZNO. Shows the peaks if we hit the peak. N5Z and O. If you hold, it holds the state when you hit the hold button. It's pretty cool stuff. If we turn on the screen data right here, we can see that the center frequency is 446.3. Spans 50 kilohertz, which is what I've got set up here on the top right. Each one of these sections are five kilohertz so we've got 50 and there's 10 of them 5 10 15 20 25 so you can see it goes all the way over to 50 kilohertz so you can measure the bandwidth being used and so forth like that so let's go ahead and uh, release this let's switch over to dv for d star we got fm narrow we've got dv so i'm interested in that and we can see D-Star uses about six and a quarter kilohertz of bandwidth. So one of these are five. And you can see there's a little bit more. So that's that's pretty much right on right on target for what it should be. Let's see what happens if we give a little bit of modulation with the digital mode. In 5Z and O, in 5Z and O. Pretty much nothing is the same because all of your modulation is actually digital data. So it's pretty cool software. Again, it's free. Uh, works with your RSP. A lot of you already have. Great tool for amateur radio use, experimenting and things like that, tinkering around. Hope you enjoyed this and uh, I'd be curious to hear your comments if you've used it in the past. Uh, what kind of results you have with it, what you've done with it, uh, comments on accuracy and so forth. 73. There's a lot of stuff in there I don't really know, but I'm going to use the opportunity to learn and not have to spend any money to do so. So, But it's pretty cool. I thought introduce it to some people and let them know what's out there. Yeah. I have seen that before, but it was, I don't know, probably two or three years ago that I looked at it, and I think it's a little, a little better than it was back then. Yeah. And uh, it'd be kind of cool to actually put it up against a real one. Uh, we ought to do that sometime, compare. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That you got one. Yeah. 
Cool. Mike, you had, I, I guess this is a post, maybe, not an email. Correct. You want to discuss a, it? Um, it's a news news item, I guess you could say. Okay. And it's about a launch of a recent satellite. I don't want to call it a weather sat because it's not really a weather sat per se. It's more of an Earth environment monitoring satellite. Um, this uh, NOAA-CNES Argos 4 was launched last Friday. And uh, what it will do, its instrument package will take, uh, well, according to the article, will take the pulse of Earth's environment and monitor wildlife and marine animals. Um, and on the second slide there, there's more information as far as um, what it does and um, how it was put together. It's a, a joint venture between or a partnership between uh, NOAA and the French uh, Space Agency. It's going to be interesting to see. Like a lot of these satellites are being launched all the time, and I never pay much attention to them. And uh, this one kind of caught my eye because it was something different than a typical weather or communication satellite. Looks like it's flying pretty low in orbit. <laughs> yeah. It's in a polar orbit, apparently. <laughs> I don't know what the altitude is. Um, obviously, it's, it's not uh, geostationary. There must be some sort of path that it takes. We're going to be back in just a moment. First, let's get a message from MFJ. Now, you can put up a 50-foot antenna mast instantly anywhere. Take your antenna on the road. Just drive your car or truck tire over the base of the MFJ 1912 stainless steel portable antenna mount, and you're ready to set up an inverted V, a Yagi, or most any other antenna. The MFJ-1912 is a stainless steel portable mount with every conceivable antenna connector on it, plus two huge U-bolts to securely hold a mast. 3H24-SO239, MNO, and binding post have you covered for just about any RF need. It's perfect for portable operations from activating that park, camping or field day, to a full-fledged emergency communication scenario. The MFJ-1912 gets you up and running and on the air fast. There's an SO239 to 3H24 gumdrop mount, mount-heavy antennas up to full-size tar heels. There's an SO239 to 3H24 stud that mounts lightweight HF antennas or mobile VHF-UHF antennas. An SO239 mount allows use of certain VHF and UHF antennas. A PL259 to MNO mount allows you to mount most mobile VHF-UHF antennas. And there's ungrounded binding posts that allow you to mount either ladder line or individual wires. Two U-bolts hold light and medium weight mast and poles, which may require guy wires the MFJ-1912 stainless steel portable antenna mount holds MFJ-1916 and MFJ-1917 mast, as well as many others. When you need to get on the air quickly and securely from almost anywhere with minimum effort, you need the MFJ-1912 stainless steel portable antenna mount. Visit MFJEnterprises.com today. And, you know... It's not just our anniversary in October. It is also MFJ's. Yeah. 
They just got a few few more years on us, too. You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, they got a few years on us. Um, But we're catching up. October (laughs) 1972 to October 22, 50 years. Wow. Yeah, they've been going 50 years. And uh, Richard says it's been a tough last of two and a half years. Yeah, you know, they've had... Uh, part shortages oh, yeah. on everything to do with electronics and, uh, you know, since since uh, all this pandemic stuff started. So, um, you know, they're still going. They're still moving product out there. Uh, unfortunately, they're not going to be able to have a 50th anniversary party like, you know, they have for some of the other anniversaries just because, uh, well, you know, current situation and if uh, if they had hundreds of people come through and do factory tours it it could be an issue still you know because yeah. um, COVID's not gone yet and that would just uh, well it, it could cause a lot of problems for them make them shut down the whole factory line there which I think they already had to do once this year yeah yeah so I can understand the caution. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So anyway, MF Drake, uh, Martin Jew, congratulations on fifty years uh, bringing amateur radio products made right here in Mississippi and around the world. But a lot of items, thousands of items that we wouldn't really have otherwise. Yeah, and, and you know what? The, they put stuff. Like, all this stuff is pretty reasonably priced, so they put things in the hands of people that probably wouldn't be able to afford or, or might be a stretch. Yep. So, anyway, I'm glad that I'm proud to have him as a sponsor for all this time. Martin told me it's, his motto was kind of like Sears and Roebuck used to be, uh, uh, chicken for every pot. Yeah. So, <laughs> if you if you, you know, if you need a budget item, They've got a product that fits that, mm-hmm. and then they also go up to, yeah. you know, the the more advanced models. So, yeah. anyway. A great place, great place, and a great bunch of people working there, too, oh, yeah. every one of them. Yep. Mike, as, as long as we're talking about things in space, I guess, <laughs> I guess this is related to space here. It uh, is, and apparently uh, this... Um, well, I learned a few things. The uh, data format that's being used was uh, kind of uh, came up and originated in the 60s, and it's still being used today. Um, and if you, well, we'll, we'll go through the uh, this segment, but um, there's a short clip where, where I play a sample of, of what the uh, actual data file or the signal from the satellite sounds like, and it's it sounds pretty simplistic, and it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Browser-based decoding of NOAA WeatherSat images. Recently, I read about this online website that decodes NOAA weather images from their satellites. By simply uploading an audio wave file, the data stream from the NOAA WeatherSats currently use a simple automatic picture transmission. APT is an analog image transmission system that was introduced in the 1960s. The data format is shown here. 
Let's go to the Open Weather website at the link shown here. This is where one can upload a WAVE audio file that we've captured previously, say from a scanner or an SDR device or any other radio receiver that can receive from 137 to 138 MHz. We'll talk more about receiving on an RTL-SDR dongle shortly. A detailed explanation can be found in the documentation here. Before we move on, let's download the sample WAV file by clicking on the Here is a Sample button. We will be using this file for the demo. Click the Download button to save the WAV file to your computer. The downloaded file can then be found in your web browser's default download directory. If you would like to hear what an APT signal sounds like, just click the play button at the bottom of the web page. For a more detailed look at the waveform, you can open up the WAV file in an audio editing program such as Audacity, where you can zoom in and out as you please. Click the Choose File button and select the sample file that we just downloaded. I recommend that you use the default absolute value for the demodulation method, as this setting will provide the best image quality for this data file type. Lastly, click the Decode button. A two-channel image should appear. One is typically long-wave infrared, with the second switching between near-visible and mid-wave infrared, depending on whether the ground is illuminated by sunlight. You can choose an independent channel by changing the Select Channel options. Turning on the histogram equalization typically improves the image contrast level and makes for a more pleasing image. Should you wish to save a copy of the image, just click the Download Image button. Here's a copy of our sample wave file decoded. The darker areas in the image generally indicate land masses, whereas the light or white area shows cloud cover. I compared the image file to this one on Google Maps. It's interesting to note the differences when comparing the two. Even after trying to adjust the image rotation and scale on the Google Map image, there are still visible differences. On no opposed system satellites, the two images are 4 kilometers per pixel. Smooth 8-bit images derived from two channels of the advanced Very High Resolution Radiometer AVHRR sensor. These images are corrected for nearly constant geometric resolution prior to being broadcast, such as the images are free of distortion caused by the curvature of the Earth. Before we go, here is a great article on receiving NOAA weather sat images using an inexpensive RTL-STR dongle. STR Play users will find this information useful as well. Pretty cool. Yeah. Kind of reminds me when you used to do the WeFax stuff, but it looks a lot better. Yeah, it's it's very similar to, to WeFax for sure. Yeah. It did seem back, like... Back the, in the PK-232 days. Yeah. It did sound like a pretty uncomplicated data there as well yeah it's very very simple data file um and you can see the waveform in audacity there really shows kind of like a two-tone system Um, and uh, of course being online there's no software to install or anything like that you just need your audio file which is kind of handy if you're not prepared to do weather stuff if you happen to be out 
with a radio that can receive uh, between uh, 137 and 138 megahertz, you happen to pick up a broadcast, you can just record it, save it for later, and then when you get back to some place that has internet access, you can go online, go to the site, upload the file, and have a look at the image. Cool. Peter, have you done anything like that down there? No, but um, I don't... uh, uh, part uh, I'll uh, I'll say sorry for changing the subject just slightly, but it does remind me though um, of the DART mission. Uh, this has been in the news just recently, um, and uh, the uh, as, you, as you know that was uh, an attempt by NASA to hit a distant asteroid. Um, so uh, uh, I just want to say just very quickly that uh, congratulations to the international team that succeeded in doing so, uh, in uh, hitting uh, an asteroid with a target. That was actually in, in also went through the Deep Space Tracking Centre here in Canberra and um, uh, also uh, involved a number of Australian scientists, which was great. Getting back to the subject, though, I, uh, I have actually in the past... Uh, I think it was weather facts, uh, done weather facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this particular one, no, I can't say I've done. Cool. It's, it's funny you mentioned the DART mission because I found it kind of amusing in in some ways because I think it's the first time I've ever witnessed. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they were, the uh, the broadcast I was looking at uh, was was of the uh, the mission crew watching the uh, spacecraft come closer and closer to the target. And then they were all cheering after, after they demolished the dart. And usually (laughs) that doesn't happen when you have a spacecraft that happens to, uh, to smash in space. Uh, What's it? Rapid, uh, what do they call it? Rapid something disassembly? Uh, Oh, is that what they said? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They've got a term for it. Come up with a term like that. I saw that movie. It didn't work out too good for Bruce Willis. (laughs) No. Yeah. no, but it, I mean, all this illustrates just how, even with very modest equipment, you can be you have an active involvement with all the space things that are going on at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Cool. Uh, speaking of which, by the way, um, it, in the next year or two, when they get around to it, um, NASA are sending a, uh, a spacecraft. I think it's Artemis. That's right. Their first Artemis launch is going to go up and around the moon. And uh, I think uh, it would be very interesting to try to monitor or track some of the radio signals coming back from that. They're probably mm-hmm. encrypted, but uh, would be an interesting exercise. Yeah. Finally, we'll get to see those hidden UF, uh, hidden alien moon bases on the dark side of the moon. Well, the Chinese sent a rover over there, so uh, we haven't found any moon bases yet. You know, you they know, just haven't know. told us yet. I did fail to mention something earlier. I had heard about this, but I couldn't remember the details at the moment. You know, although MFJ is not having their 50th anniversary uh, big open house party this year, there is still one event going on in Starkville the same weekend that that ran concurrently with the... Um, with the MFJ events, and that's the ARRL Day in the Park. Uh, it's going to be held, well, actually, when we're shooting this, it's going to be held tomorrow, Saturday the 15th, at McKee Park oh. in Starkville. 
So that event is still on. And if you're in the area, it's um, it's a fun time always. It's hosted by uh, the Magnolia Lounge County and Mississippi State University Clubs. So thanks for mentioning that, Arnie. Yeah, thanks, Arnie. Uh, yeah, I won't be able to make it. I had thought about it, but... Um, I guess well. I don't remember that that one even went on. You don't remember eating chicken... Oh, is that in the park? Is that ham eating chicken? That yeah, okay. well, no, it, well, Arnie was <laughs> one of the ham eating chicken, but uh, yeah, and it, I guess it kind of was that. But yeah, you know, the big event mm-hmm. that uh, that they were at a park doing it. Yeah, that that's what it was. Was the A W R L day in the park? But it was, you know, same day. So anyway, very uh, cool. Yeah, that that's uh have a piece of chicken for us, Arnie. Yep. Don't do like George and bring me one back, but eat it on the way home. True. You remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I was kind of interested to hear from Emil at, at the Slidell Ham Fest whether or not somebody bought him lunch or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like a bowl, a bowl of jambalaya or something I, like that. I noticed Glenn said that he bought two bowls of jambalaya, but... I don't know that he gave one to email. I didn't didn't read the post. I would have liked to have one of them though. Boy, that is good stuff when it comes from that part of the world. All right, we're going to be back in just a moment because you know it's first of the show here. We promised you for the celebration of the night strippers. <laughs> so Tommy and I are going to change wardrobe here, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. ICOM's high-powered base stations cut through pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Contest from the comfort of your home or remotely with the RSBA1 app. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it? The IC7300 is a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, reducing inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. The real HF fun starts here. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF-VHF weak signal world. This all-mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you busy. Faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. 4.3-inch color touchscreen TFT LCD, real-time high-speed spectrum scope, and waterfall display. Smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. ICOM's IC7610 is the SDR every ham wants. This high-performance SDR can pick out faint signals in the presence of stronger adjacent signals. The ICOM 7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that has changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. RF direct sampling system, 110 RMDR, independent dual receiver, dual digicel, 
ICOM's IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. It's truly the pinnacle of HF perfection. Dual receivers, digital IF filters, memory keyer, digital voice recorder, high-resolution spectrum waterfall display, enhanced PC connectivity, and SD memory card slot. Learn more about all these great ICOM radios at icomamerica.com amateur. We're going to give away a nice rig, Tommy's rig here shortly. <laughs> yeah. So don't go away. I told Nelly didn't have to be present to win, but there's some other issues that prevent him from being eligible, so I didn't tell him that part. <laughs> so, Tommy, you've got, uh, uh, well, this is a post, it's huh? A fa- it's actually a Facebook post. It's from, I couldn't find his call sign, but his name's Bob Camarino. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it's kind of a simple post, but it kind of struck a nerve, uh, not a nerve, but anyway, caught my attention. So I just bought one of these, tried it on some 14-gauge Romex and some 24-AWG-stranded speaker wire with equally good results. They're less expensive ones, but these were well-reviewed on YouTube and had many more positive Amazon reviews than the less expensive versions. And it it kind of caught my eye because I bought a pair of these. If you remember when I did the battery project, mm-hmm. the LifePo 4 battery, I had to put a whole bunch of those little terminals on and I got tired of trying to strip those little thin wires. And it was hard to strip them in, without pulling some of the strands out. So I saw somebody recommended these, so I went and bought a pair. They were about 20 bucks at Lowe's. And I was going to try them out here and see. I I didn't get to comment on here, but there was somebody I know that said that he's never seen them before. Yeah. Do you know who that might be? I haven't. Well, you were the one that put the comment on there. Okay. said you've never seen them, so now you have. But I thought I'd bring them and show you. They're really amazing to me. Um, I was kind of proud of them when I got them and saw how well they worked, but I was I didn't want to figure you'd give me a hard time about them. But, so I'm a, Go ahead and give them a try. But I brought several different types of wire. This is some really thin, multi-stranded wire. It's, it's kind of soft and flexible. If, when you put the wire in, there's a, a a guide here that you can adjust. It's set to a quarter inch right now. And you can just butt the wire up to that, and you get basically a quarter inch uh, oh, okay. exposed piece on it each time. You can take it off or adjust it if you want. I'm just going to leave it where it is for right now just because of where it was. But you just put it on there and squeeze it and see if you find any wires broken off of there. I've yet to see it get an extra strand of wire out of there that. No, I don't. Looks good. This is a piece of telephone wire, which should be a breeze. It's just solid core wire. Let's try that. It's not nicked yeah. where it's going to break off. But, you know, sometimes the telephone wire will break if you if you nick it with the... Yeah. I have used this style of strippers before, but I don't think they work quite this well. Some a little bit bigger stranded wire. It's, probably shouldn't just run through every one of them. But it's, re- it's really amazing. There's no, none of the strands pull off of it ever. I've never seen it do one. Here's some telephone wire. It's uh, 
solid wire, four solid conductors inside this jacket. I'm just going to pull the, I'm just going to strip some of the jacket off because it'll do that too. Okay. It never nicks the wire. It's it's pretty it's really pretty amazing. I probably I put it over the top, but every time. Huh. Got some thick wire. This is some uh, I think this is ten gauge uh, silicone jacketed wire. Same thing. Doesn't really matter. And then, so I asked you about it, and you gave me some of this. You said this uh, Cat Five cable is pretty hard. So I'm going to try some of that. This will be the last one. Yeah, that's a real test there. Yeah. Now I should I should probably take this off for that, but for the sake of time, I'll just pull the end of it. Yeah. Uh, I'll see a, a little skint place there. This is... This is tough wire to do. Let's see if I can. Uh... Well, that did good. It's really amazing for for twenty bucks. But anyway, I saw it. And I thought I'd bring it and demo it. Some of you guys might have some some use for it. I I, I love them. They hang up my. Peg on my workbench right there. If you look at some, you can pay a little more for a good tool and it'll last forever. Or you can buy what I consider to be sometimes they're called one use tools. Yeah, yeah, or single use tools. Well, Harbor Freight had some similar. They were less, um, but I got these twenty yeah. bucks. I didn't think that was bad. I strip enough wires. Twenty bucks is all right. Yeah, that's I, that's not I a bad price. I don't have a pair of uh, wire strippers, but I have a pair of actual vice grips. You know, the locking pliers. I've had those mm -hmm. things forever, and they work just as well as they were when they were brand new. Yeah. So, so where, where did you get it from, Tommy? Where, I, if somebody wants to buy it, where did I got you get them, I got mine at Lowe's, but you can order them on Amazon. Uh, mo almost mm -hmm. any of the home improvement right. stores have them. I'm just amazed that, you know, I, I, I've used various hand tools for various purposes uh, that are similar to that, right, okay, but I've never seen anything that works as consistently as that. That is yeah. a really well-designed piece of kit. So yeah. it's definitely a must-have in any amateur's uh, shop or, or a shack, I should say. I can pull the handles off of George's with this, too. Watch. <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> this is what I use. And I've, I've always used a style of these. I used to get them at Radio Shack a long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, you can get them at Harbor Freight and all kinds of places now, but the metal is not very good on them, and mm -hmm. and they don't do a good job. But this Southwire brand here, I, I bought these at Lowe's too. These work very well, but you gotta you gotta have a touch for it, you know. And I don't. I have yeah. a pair like that, similar to that. They're red handles. I forget the brand, but I was nicking those little little bitty wires, yep. and I'd lose some of my little conductors out of there. And you will, you know. But if, not with this one. So no, I didn't didn't really see any nicked ones or or missed wires. But you know that's that's what I'm used to. I don't think I broke broke any, but I will mm -hmm. occasionally. Uh huh. So I don't know. Just uh, 
I think I might get a pair of those, but they're too big for me to throw in my toolbox and take around with me. Yeah. Well, they're good to have. Well, at like, that price, they, yeah. And like I said, I, I had to do a lot of those uh, for that uh, BMS on my battery, mm-hmm. that battery project. And I got tired of using those, and I would uh, cut them, and then the, half of the conductors would come out of them. Or sometimes it's less, but but anyway. Yeah. So I, I bought these, and I, and I just zipped right through when I was done. It was well worth the 20 bucks. Radio yeah. Shack used to sell these, but I don't know if you can see that. There's a slot for each conductor wire. Yeah, yeah. Get on a late background here. Yeah, you can get. You is that's the one that's got different size notches. Yeah, in it. yeah. This it yeah, works that's... on the same principle where it puts enough tension to hold the jacket in place, and then it kind of releases when you when you let go of the handles. Yeah, but this one just doesn't care about the size. Yeah, I like that idea. You wouldn't want to get a finger caught in that. No, you wouldn't. You actually, you'd actually have a hard time getting your finger caught in there, yeah. but if you try it hard enough, though. You know what the worst is? When you have those uh, those crimping tools, they're ratcheting, and a lot of them don't have the release button. And if you get something caught uh-huh. in there, oh, yeah. you the only go thing all you the way. do is keep squeezing past the release point. Uh-huh. That's, that's um, how my coax ones are. <laughs> you got to uh-huh. be really careful with those. i got a pair of you just keep ratcheting and... Finally, when they get all the way down, then they'll then they'll open up. Of course, they were uh, they were com compliant ones when I bought them, so I wouldn't expect the safety feature on them. Yeah. So I've tried not to crimp any fingers with them. That's good, fine, Tommy. Uh, I like those. You know, I think it's about time we give away your radio here. Sure, I'm going to miss that. Yeah, I know you <laughs> You're are. You're not getting mine. You're going to get a brand new one, and I'm going to keep mine so we'll all be happy. All right. We're going to be back in just a second, but first this important message from the dean and the professor. At the end of each month, it's Amateur Logic's Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. The English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. it. There's our homemade telegraph station. We can use it for long-distance communications. Oh, like, uh, what, three feet yeah, here? across the table. The answer is B. Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using ones. That's why we went primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but... Uh, the night's still young. This is the ICOM IC705 uh, QRP rig. Uh, it's 10 watts with external power. Um, HF, s- uh, 6 meters, all, all basically all bands, all modes. 
pretty much. Is that the hazard internal battery, though, for a lower wattage? It's got a battery on the back. It's the same battery as the ID51 or ID52. And there's also a a heavier, a bigger capacity one with the same style that you can get for it. But, yeah, it does do that. And there's a a jack on the side that you can plug the external battery up to it as well mm-hmm. so with the with the clip-on battery here it's up to five watts max but if you hook up external power 13.8 volts you can get up to 10 watts out of it it's a great for and mountaineering it, and, and uh, uh, going out and uh, portable work basically yeah I, I did field day with it george ran a 100 watt rig and i ran this one and we had pretty close to the same number of contacts and you ran it with, at 10 watts i ran at 10 watts yeah yeah. It's two meter and seventy centimeter as well, yeah. and D star, yeah, yeah. Wow. all mode. Yeah, it's got a FT eight mode preset built in it, one touch. Mm-hmm. Um, five watts on the internal battery, ten on external. Wireless LAN and Bluetooth. Yep. GPS functions. Yep, got GPS. Micro SD card slot. Got check. Micro USB connector. Check. Of course, you mentioned D Star. Um, I, I said this last time, and, and I guess I'll say it again. But if I if I had of the radios I have, if I had to get rid of them all and pick just one of them, this would be the one I kept because this basically does everything. RF direct sampling, so it's a true software defined radio. Uh, Real time spectrum scope and waterfall display. Large touchscreen color display, compact, lightweight design. You know, that thing, uh, Peter, is that is like a 7300. It is so so similar, but it has VHF and UHF, too, and it's a a portable rig. You know what I like? uh, I like one of the things I always look for in any rig, right, okay, is a big button. And oh, sorry, a big shooting dog. Yep. Uh, it's a must. Not, you don't want little ones. You don't want no, to be no. press, pressing buttons. Mm-hmm. You just want a big knob that you can turn around. And that has got that, which is yep. great. Yep. I think we all like big knobs. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Great rig there. Uh, there's also an optional tuner available if you want to use mm-hmm. that, an auto tuner. And an optional backpack as well that, uh, you know, you can put this together. Oh, you got it, don't you? Yeah, I've got the whole set up. Yeah. Here's the backpack you can get with it for yep. it if you want to. And I've actually got the tuner in here as well. Yeah. So, um, great, great rig there. We're going to need uh, a couple other things. Well, don't necessarily need this, but we have a power supply that MFJ is going to throw in on that you want to talk about it Tom? yeah you might you might not have to have it but you're going to want it it's the uh, mfj it's a super compact 30 amp uh, switching supply it's all the popular features of their mfj 4230 mv plus it has the power poles the front panel has five-way binding posts that allow easy access connection for your rig and your station accessories 25 amps continuous 30 amp surge at 13.8 volts dc and it's selectable from 4 to 16 volts. It runs on 120 or 240 volts. 
at 47 to 63 hertz. You can take it anywhere in the U.S. and abroad. I've got this supply. Very nice little supply, lightweight. So we're giving away your radio and your power supply. Wow. All I'm going to have left is a bag and the tuner. Yeah, Yeah, we're not going to give away (laughs) your antenna. Kind of leave you holding the bag. Yeah, we're going to give away Glenn's antenna. Uh, Glenn over in the chat room. Email brags about your antenna every year when y'all go out and do field day and events down there, Glenn. And that's the one MFJ is throwing in this year for the prize package here. Yes, things got my eye. That would work for you, Peter. It's the MFJ 2389 compact vertical 8-band antenna. Mm-hmm. Eight poplar bands all in one antenna. You get a quarter wave on HF, 80 through 6 meters, a half wave, and 2.5 dBi gain on 2 meters, and a 5H wave and 5.5 dBi gain on 440. It's got a low SWR, as low as uh, 1.5 to 1 mm-hmm. or less. It handles 200 watts PEP, single sideband. 150 watts on 6 meters to 70 centimeters on FM. And it's super lightweight at less than 6 pounds. It's only 8.5 feet tall. The antenna lets you mount in restricted spaces such as an attic or balcony. Its ground radial system is built in, so there's no counterpoise wires to worry about. And it's got SO239 feed point connections. Great portable antenna there and... Email and Glenn brag about it every time they take that thing. I've got my eye on that one, too. I I didn't really realize they had that one. I guess it's been a while since I kind of looked through the mm-hmm. stuff, but it looks like a really nice antenna. Yeah. I may give it a thing to try myself. It, it does it all. Of course, you're going to want some coax to go with that. So we've got some MFJ5825X. That's RG8X coax. A 25-foot piece of it that they've thrown in as well. Perfect. And it comes with the uh, connectors already installed. Oh, awesome. And we don't have any of the faux gold PL259s to give away. I've got one of those left that I'm holding on to for keepsake. I actually think I have one. I don't see it, but I'm not giving it away. You got any gold paint? No. that Well... (laughs) So we've we've talked about this for the last few months and gave people a chance to enter, to register. It was pretty simple. It basically involved sending an email to our contest address, and it was open to the U.S. and Canada, this part of the world. And we're going to draw the winner right now. We actually... U.S., Canada, and Louisiana. Yep, Louisiana too. Yeah. So or West Florida. Or West Florida. Or West Florida. So we got the list of the emails which we'll be promptly deleting after the show tonight. We chose a random number. Well, we didn't choose it, the computer chose it. It did. And mm-hmm. that is the winner. And the winner is Michael Tarver. N5DSZ, and is that Rouse City? Royce. Royce City, Texas. Awesome. Congratulations. N5DSZ. And uh, Michael is a tech. 
he'll be wanting to look into upgrading now that he's got all these bands in this nice radio. Looks here. like we may have another Ham College graduate coming soon. Uh, we could. So, congratulations, uh, Michael N5DSC. Yeah, congratulations. And ICOM and MFJ will be getting this out to you right away. And, wow. Thanks to everyone who who entered. And I think we can only have one winner, and that's who it happened to be this year. A fun 17 years, everyone. We're going to do 17 more? There's no where's the where's the Welch's grape juice? Yeah, I thought about that just then. <laughs> yeah, it's getting pretty warm. Here. Really, I, I wasn't so. fooling around this year. I got a bottle of Pinot Noir. Oh man, well, so. give us all a, a drink. It's been a fun time. We're going to keep going. Well, oh. can I ask, ask you a question, George? Because yes, you you uh, you were there right at the very beginning, and and Tommy as well, actually. Um, uh, did you think you would be here 17 years later? Oh, I didn't know we'd. Ha- I didn't know we'd have a third show. Yeah, no. At the time, we had no idea. Um, didn't really yeah, think I, about it. I remember looking at those first shows, and they. Being, I mean, e- even for the, they were simple, okay, but they're they're quite watchable okay and um even now uh, they would hold up to a half hour or an hour's entertainment no problems at all um and yeah but you've certainly expanded and made it more professional and built on what you started with and uh it's gone well beyond where where it started from well we've we've had a a lot of help over the years yeah yourself being part of it yep you Mm -hmm. Mike, email, Jim. So it's, um, you know, we've had great hosts all mm-hmm. along. And For sure. I'll just echo what Peter said. And I think I've mentioned this quite a while ago, that the production value of Amateur Logic TV has gone up tremendously from the first episodes. All you need to do is watch a few. Well, That's also a reflection of the technology. I don't know what cameras you were using back in 2007 or whatever, but they were probably comparatively more simple than what you, you're using today. Yeah, and you've got a whole lot available. of extra software that makes the whole job easier. Oh, yeah. We, we had uh, pretty cheap mini-DV cameras Yeah, back then. Yeah, yeah. But I always come back to the, the point that you don't need fancy editing skills. You don't need top-of-the-line broadcast quality cameras or whatever. The bottom line is if you've got good content and you can get the sound right, which is the number one thing, yeah. um, you know, people will watch it. It's a bunch of mixed-up content. Well, it is, but, you know, that's, that's our Well, here's, to, here's to another 17 years. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> cheers. Yep. Congrats. We've had fun for 17 years, so I guess we'll keep going as long as we're still having fun. You guys are still watching. I guess we'll try to keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, And and the other thing is that, uh, like, for example, I probably would never have visited the United States, probably would never have gone to Huntsville and its airspace museum, and probably would never have wound up uh, seeing the Washington um, uh, Space Museum as well had it not been for amateur logic. So, uh, you know, it's paid back to me in the long run, which is great. Well, 
you know, you've been a big part of it yeah. for uh, for so many years there, Peter. And we look forward to you joining us occasionally in the future if you've got topics that you want to share. Yeah, people, like we said earlier, people ask about you pretty, yeah. fairly often. They do. Okay, all right. Yeah, well, I, look, uh, um, I, uh, I, I like to produce stuff of, that's interesting for myself as well, though. So, uh, But uh, I, I wouldn't mind doing something in the astronomy field uh, in the future and uh, uh, contributing that. So uh, we'll see. Okay. Uh, Before we get out of here, I just want to say um, – well, thanks for everyone who's watched over the years, and that's what keeps us going at it. So let's go around and see if we've got any final thoughts or comments for tonight before we get out of here, Tommy. Uh, not too much. I just uh, it's, it's a pleasure to see Peter again. It's always mm-hmm. always fun talking to Mike too. And uh, thanks to everybody that's kept us going this long and and still hanging with us. And uh, let's mm-hmm. spread the word, keep it going, and. Uh, See you guys next month. Yep. And thanks to ICOM and MFJ for their support and, you know, the great prizes. If it wasn't for them, yeah. we wouldn't still be here, I'm sure. Uh, well, yeah, I guarantee you we wouldn't be giving away radios. Mm-hmm. Definitely wouldn't. Uh, Mike, any final thoughts from up there? Um, I'm just uh, basically going to echo Tommy's uh, uh, sentiments that uh, thanks uh, for everyone uh, that watches and uh it gives us kind of inspiration to uh, to do more projects and such, and uh, we enjoy doing it. And as long as uh, as long as people are watching, I guess uh, we'll keep doing it. Yep. And Peter, again, great to see you tonight. So glad you could join us. Yeah, thanks for the invite. On to be honest, I didn't expect you to be hosting the show, but um, I was ha- happy to. And it's been fun talking with you guys and covering a, a few different topics and whatnot. So uh, uh, at some stage in the future, uh, we'll see each other again. But keep churning those stations, throw those uh, uh, episodes out, and um, you know uh, we'll uh, we'll see what you can come up with. All right, Peter. Well, thanks again for being thanks, here, Peter. Yeah, thanks. Thanks to everyone who watches the show and uh, a lot of friends in there, you know. Yeah, we've met we've met some great people, great friends oh, through this yeah. show. Over the years, yeah. Same thing Peter said, people we never would have met, places Absolutely. we never would have gone. Yeah. So it's been a fun adventure and we look mm-hmm. forward to continuing it right here about the middle of November. Yeah. Thanksgiving wow. show. Thanksgiving show. And we'll be back, uh, Tommy and I will, for Ham College at the end of this month, I think. What, 28th, I think it is. 28th. Okay. Pretty sure. This will be the uh, Halloween edition of Ham College. So. Yeah. Uh, you going to dress up? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, um, wow. Just thanks, everyone, for a great 17 years. And we'll see you next month. 
All right. Uh, recorders are rolling. Both yeah. of them? Just one, one thing, guys. I presume we're not live at the moment. We yes, are. Yes, we are. 